TED Audio Collective. In a perfect world, merit would be all that mattered. Your hard work and your skills would propel you to the top of your organization and the top of your field with no other assets needed. But we all know in the real world, there are lots of other things that have to happen to help you progress in your role and fully pursue your passion. And what's one of the first things? You have to get noticed by the people in power. Welcome to the TED Business Podcast. I'm your host, Madupa Akinola, Associate Professor of Management at Columbia Business School and Director of the Sanford C. Bernstein & Company Center for Leadership and Ethics. Today's talk by Carla Harris is about a crucial ingredient in career advancement that doesn't get noticed much. Sponsorship. Which means, how do we ensure that the right people will speak up for you exactly when you need them to? Carla Harris is Vice Chairman of Wealth Management and Senior Client Advisor at Morgan Stanley. She is one of the most senior African-American women on Wall Street, but she's also a writer and a gospel recording artist. In this talk from TED Women in 2018, Carla pulls back the curtain on the conversations that happen about job performance behind closed doors. As you listen, pay very close attention to how she defines sponsorship and differentiates it from mentorship, because it turns out they are not the same. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, TED Business listeners, we're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily 
podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. It was the spring of 1988 when I had the aha moment. I was at my first roundtable, and for those of you who don't know, the roundtable was a very commonly used phrase on Wall Street to describe the year-end evaluative process for analysts, associates, vice presidents, all the way up to managing directors. That was the process where they were discussed behind closed doors, around a table, i.e., the round table, and everyone was put into a category, the top bucket, the middle bucket, the lower bucket, and then that was translated into a bonus range that would be assigned to each professional. This was my first time there, and as I observed, I saw that there was one person that was responsible for recording the outcome of a conversation. There were other people in the room that had the responsibility of presenting the cases of all the candidates. And there were other invited guests who were supposed to comment as a candidate's position was presented. It was interesting to me that those other people were folks who were more senior than the folks that were being discussed, and they theoretically had had some interaction with those candidates. Now, I was really excited to be at this roundtable for the first time because I knew that my own process would go through this same way and that my bonus would be decided in the same way. So I wanted to know how it worked. But more importantly, I wanted to understand how this concept of a meritocracy that every company that I talked to walking out of business school was selling. Every time I talked to a company, they would say, our culture, our process is a meritocracy. The way you get ahead in this organization is that you're smart, you put your head down, and you work really hard, and you'll go right to the top. So here was my opportunity to see exactly how that worked. So as the process began, I heard the recorder call the first person's name. Joe Smith, the person responsible for presenting Joe's case, did just that. Three-quarters of the way through, someone interrupted and said, this is a great candidate, outstanding, has great analytical and quantitative skills, this is a superstar. The recorder then said, sounds like Joe should go at the top, in the top bucket. Second person, Mary Smith, halfway through that presentation, someone said, solid candidate, nothing really special, but a good pair of hands. The recorder said, sounds like Mary should go in the middle bucket. And then someone said, Arnold Smith, before the person could present Arnold's case, somebody said, disaster, disaster, this kid doesn't have a clue, can't do a model. And before the case was presented, the recorder said, sounds like Arnold should go in the bottom bucket. It was at that moment that I clutched my pearls <laughs> and said, who's going to speak for me? Who's going to speak for me? It was that moment that I realized that this idea of a meritocracy that every organization sells is really just a myth. You cannot have a 100% meritocratic environment when there is a human element involved in the evaluative equation, because by definition, that makes it subjective. I knew at that moment that somebody would have to be behind closed doors 
arguing on my behalf, presenting content in such a way that other decision makers around that table would answer in my best favor. That was a really interesting lesson. And then I said to myself, well, who is that person? What do you call this person? And as I thought about the popular business terms at the time, I said, wow, this person can't be a mentor because a mentor's job is to give you tailored advice, tailored specifically to you and to your career aspirations. They're the ones who give you the good, the bad, and the ugly in a no-holds-barred way. Okay, person can't be a champion or an advocate because you don't necessarily have to spend any currency to be someone's champion. You don't necessarily get invited to the room behind closed doors if you're an advocate. It was almost two years later when I realized what this person should be called. I was speaking at the University of Michigan to the NBA candidates, talking about the lessons that I had learned after my three short years on Wall Street, and then it came to me. I said, oh, this person that is carrying your interest, or as I like to say, carrying your paper into the room, this person who is spending their valuable political and social capital on you, this person who's going to pound the table on your behalf, this is a sponsor. This is a sponsor. And then I said to myself, well, how do you get a sponsor? And frankly, why do you need one? Well, you need a sponsor, frankly, because as you can see, there's not one evaluative process that I can think of, whether it's in academia, healthcare, financial services, not one that does not have a human element. So that means it has that measure of subjectivity. There is a measure of subjectivity in who is presenting your case. There is a measure of subjectivity in what they say and how they interpret any objective data that you might have. There is a measure of subjectivity in how they say what they're going to say to influence the outcome. So therefore, you need to make sure that that person who is speaking, that sponsor, has your best interest at heart and has the power to get it, whatever it is for you, to get it done behind closed doors. Now, I'm asked all the time, you know, How do, how do you get one? Well, frankly, nirvana is when someone sees you in an environment and decides, I'm going to make it happen for you. I'm going to make sure that you are successful. But for many of us in this room, we know it doesn't really happen that way. <laughs> so let me introduce this concept of currency and talk to you about how it impacts your ability to get a sponsor. There are two types of currency in any environment, performance currency and relationship currency. And performance currency is the currency that is generated by your delivering that which was asked of you and a little bit extra. Every time you deliver upon an assignment above people's expectations, you generate performance currency. It works exactly like the stock market. Anytime a company says to the street that they will deliver 25 cents a share, and that company delivers 40 cents a share, that stock goes up, and so will yours. Performance currency is valuable for three reasons. Number one, it will get you noticed. It will create a reputation for you. Number two, it will also get you paid and promoted very early on in your career and very early on 
in any environment. And number three, it may attract a sponsor. Why? Because strong performance currency raises your level of visibility in the environment, as I said earlier, such that a sponsor may be attracted to you. Why? Because everybody loves a star. But if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a sponsor, here's the good news. Remember that you can exercise your power and ask for one. But here's where the other currency is now most important. That is the relationship currency. And relationship currency is the currency that is generated by the investments that you make in the people in your environment. The investments that you make in the people in your environment. You cannot ask someone to use their hard-earned, personal, influential currency on your behalf if you've never had any interaction with them. It is not going to happen. So it is important that you invest the time to connect, to engage, and to get to know the people that are in your environment. And more importantly, to give them the opportunity to know you. Because once they know you, is a higher probability that when you approach them to ask them to be your sponsor, they will, in fact, answer in the affirmative. Now, if you're with me and you agree that you have to have a sponsor, let's talk about how you identify a sponsor. Well, if you're looking for a sponsor, they need to have three primary characteristics. Number one, they need to have a seat at the decision-making table. They need to have exposure to your work in order to have credibility behind closed doors, and they need to have some juice. Or let me say it differently, they better have some power. It's really important that they have those three things. And then once you have identified the person, how do you ask for one? The script goes like this. Jim, I'm really interested in getting promoted this year. I've had an amazing year and I cannot show this organization anything else to prove my worthiness or my readiness for this promotion. But I am aware that somebody has to be behind closed doors arguing on my behalf and pounding the table. You know me, you know my work, and you are aware of the client feedback, and I hope that you will feel comfortable arguing on my behalf. If Jim knows you and you have any kind of a relationship, there's a very high probability that he will answer yes. And if he says yes, he will endeavor to get it done for you. But there's also a shot that Jim might say no. And if he says no, in my opinion, there's only three reasons that he would tell you no. The first is, he doesn't think that he has enough exposure to your work to have real credibility behind closed doors to be impactful and effective on your behalf. The second reason he may tell you no is that you think he has the juice to get it done, but he knows that he does not have the power to do it, and he is not going to admit that in that conversation with you. <laughs> and the third reason that he would tell you no, he doesn't like you. He just doesn't like you. <laughs> and that's, that's is something that could happen. But even that will be valuable information for you that will help to inform your next conversation with the sponsor that might make it a little bit more impactful. I cannot tell you how important it is to have a sponsor. It is the critical relationship in your career. It is so critical that you should ask yourself regularly 
Who's carrying my paper into the room? Who's carrying my paper into the room? And if you can't answer who's carrying your paper into the room, then I will tell you to divert some of your hardworking energies into investing in a sponsored relationship because it will be critical to your success. And as I close, let me give a word to the would-be sponsors that are in the room. If you have been invited into the room, know that you have a seat at that table. And if you have a seat at the table, you have a responsibility to speak. Don't waste your power worrying about what people are going to say and whether or not they think you might be supporting someone just because they look like you. If somebody is worthy of your currency, spend it. One thing I have learned after several decades on Wall Street is the way to grow your power is to give it away. And your voice is at the heart. And your voice is at the heart of your power. Use it. Thank you very much. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. I don't know about you, but I've witnessed so many people in various types of jobs, institutions, and industries go through promotions. And I've even had my fair share of promotion experiences. And Carla's insights were still astounding to me. Carla broke down the subjectivity of those career-shaping decisions in some very plain terms. But let's take this one step further. I want to get tactical. Carla described the kind of person you should be seeking as your sponsor, someone who has a seat at the table, who has exposure to your work and has some power or juice. But I'd like to add something else. This doesn't necessarily have to be a person at the top of the organizational ladder. It could be someone you've seen 
and you want to get to know better. Even if they don't have a seat at the table or exposure to your work right now, every person you interact with at work has the potential to one day be a sponsor. Now, maybe it's that team leader who you don't work with directly, but you serve on a company-wide committee with them. Or it's someone more senior than you who you happen to work with on the same Habitat for Humanity build during your organization's community service day. I think it's really important to remember that while it's senior people who speak for you at the table, there's also pre-table talk. I'll call that the tailgate, those informal gatherings, whether inside or outside of work, where junior and senior people get together and talk. So think about how can you make sure there are people at all levels of your organization who are going to speak for you at the tailgates, as this is a key place where your reputation is built. So then, once you've identified that person and found opportunities to talk with them, then what? A lot of people wonder, how much should I even share about myself with them? Should this person have insight into my work life and my personal life? I'll tell you, if someone's going to take the time to go to bat for you, if this is a person that is going to have your best interest at heart, you better be sure they know you well. Importantly, there is research showing that people feel closer to those who disclose personal information. We like people who share things about themselves to us. We share more about ourselves with people we like. And disclosure of more intimate information, such as deeply held values and beliefs, has a stronger effect on interpersonal relationships than disclosure of more generic, less intimate information, such as your hobbies and where you vacation. So yes, you should go deep with a sponsor, but do so very mindfully. So how much is too much information? This is a critical question, and it's also a key point where the difference between sponsors and mentors matters. While you absolutely want to share all the good, as Carla says, be careful about whether you share the bad and the ugly with a sponsor. With a mentor, it's okay to tell them your struggles and frustrations, but with someone who will sponsor you and fight for you, make sure you place emphasis on the good as they really need to be armed with the ammunition of your skills and accomplishments. Those need to be top of mind, not the nitty-gritty of some of your woes. Now, how do you get personal with a potential sponsor without getting too personal? Well, you should let them know what drives you, share stories about important people, places, or experiences that have influenced who you are and have shaped your values and goals in life. But unless you're extremely sure that this person wants to hear the nitty-gritty dirty details, avoid real TMI, you know, like venting to them about your medical problems or dishing on your love life. What I love most about Carla's talk is unapologetic assertiveness. We should all take a cue from that. Don't be hesitant about advocating for your own growth, because just like a sponsor must be courageous and clear in speaking for you, you should also feel free to bring your courage and your clear voice to the task of cultivating a sponsor, because your growth is worth it and your career absolutely depends on it. Thanks so much for tuning in. TED Business is hosted by me, Madupa Akinola, 
Grace Rubenstein is our producer. The show is edited by Sheena Ozaki and mixed by Dan DeZula. And special thanks to Colin Helms, Michelle Quint, Angela Chang, Corey Hajim, and Anna Phelan. Looking forward to talking to you next week.